Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ up there in New York City. Fangraphs own John Taylor as he takes a swig of what is that iced coffee just a smoothie smoothie peanut butter peanut butter smoothie how is it peanut buttery okay so it's good i like i like peanut butter smoothies or especially with banana great always a always a working combo can never yeah. go wrong with that okay yeah because you're not a coffee guy either john no i'm not i i, I don't drink coffee i i don't like the smell don't like the taste don't really like anything about it i'll have a i'll have an occasional chai latte that's about as close to coffee as i'll ever get okay but i like it i like it john well we'll talk about some other things in new york that we don't necessarily like unless you're a red sox fan which you kind of like i don't know well who knows what red sox fans are feeling right now about uh, the state fine. of the new york yankees fine. mostly fine i think i mean look there's when you're no longer in last place that helps that's always a good thing AL East, man, it is a juggernaut. It's a um, it certainly is. And it's time for America's favorite edition here on this very show. John, your take, Graf's take of the week this week is? I think the Orioles actually might win the AL East. Oh, wow. Because we're look, here. I mean, look, man, it has been a rough go of it lately. For the Tampa Bay Rays, but so this right now we're recording uh, Wednesday, the evening of Wednesday, July 19th. Mm. Orioles beat the Dodgers today to avert a sweep. The Rays lost the Rangers today and were swept by Texas, which means that percentage points wise, for all intents and purposes, the Rays and Orioles are now tied atop the American League East. So really, I don't think I'm even really going out on that much of a limit at this point because, I mean, granted, and, and we can get into the projections later. It's effectively a coin flip between these two teams going forward. I don't, mm. you know, you can you can maybe make an argument that if, say, Toronto gets really hot, they're not entirely out of it. They're only five games back, you know, dropping a little further back. You have, excuse me, you have the Red Sox now eight games back. The Yankees eight and a half games back pending their game tonight against the, against the Angels. And I should say Toronto also has to play a game tonight against the Padres. But... Again, Orioles and Rays now tied atop the AL East, and I have kind of a hard time seeing at this point why I should be favoring the Rays over the Orioles, in particular because the Rays pitching staff has fallen apart. Mm. Um, but when I although I should note when I say fallen apart, and these are just looking at numbers since the start of July because this is when the Rays have, have, have really really started to struggle is in the month of July. Uh, team rotation ERA since the start of July. Baltimore, fifth in the majors at 322. Mm. Tampa Bay, 17th in the majors at 445. Granted, and this is where I want to jump in. Granted, Tampa Bay's rotation has a FIP of 321 and an XFIP of three. So they're, they're, the suggestion here is that they are getting beat badly thanks to some bad luck because they have a good strikeout rate, a low walk rate, uh, middle of the actually kind of a high home run rate, a really high batting average on balls in play, and a really bad strand rate. Um, their relievers are not stranding runners as effectively as possible. But regardless, when you look at the current state of the Rays rotation right now, it's a little frightening. I got to say, it it is a little frightening. You know, between beyond Zach Eflin, Shane McClanahan, and Tyler Glass, I mean, I know Taj Bradley's getting better. There have been a lot of injuries. That's particularly the case also for the bullpen. Um, again, I, I know we've talked about this before with the Rays, where I think I made the argument that they, you know, if they want to be real contenders, they need to invest more in that pitching because so far they have had to deal with so many injuries that all of their depth has been essentially wiped out. You know, there's there's not really much in the way of viable depth for the Rays going forward. You know, if you look at our roster resource page. Um, they have lost Shane Baz, Drew Rasmussen, and Jeffrey Springs for the rest of the season, and Springs and Baz for longer than that. Um, they are down currently Garrett Clevenger and Andrew Kitteridge. Uh, I assume Kitteridge is done for the season because of Tommy John he, he underwent last June. Uh, Clevenger may or may not be back at some point before the beginning of the season, but obviously not a, not a major impact guy anyway. 
Beyond that, you look at who's available in the minor leagues for them. Luis Patino, who has just never really made, has not been able to make the transition to major, to the majors so far. Uh, you have Jalen Beeks, Ryan Thompson, Trevor. I mean, these are these are more middle of the bullpen guys. There's just not a lot here for the Rays beyond what they already currently have. And granted, McClanahan, Bradley, Glasnow, Eflin, pretty good starting four. And I think you could say on paper a better starting four than what the Orioles currently have right now, which is Kyle Gibson, uh, or starting five, I should say, Kyle Gibson, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer. Wells has been hit up a little bit in his last few starts. Gibson, of course, is Nolan's idea of an ace. Uh, Rodriguez back from the minors, got hit up pretty bad by the Dodgers in his first start back granted it's the Dodgers big disparity between his FIP and ERA like seven point something ERA and his FIP is like in the three low threes which I mean I suggest that there's some regression positively coming there but at the same Mm -hmm. time maybe maybe this is the better way to structure this take I think the Orioles win the AL East if they go out and add a pitcher because I think the Rays are vulnerable I mean I have thought I mean great they got off to that great start but every team is vulnerable because everyone, no matter how well or how badly you're playing, there is some regression coming in your future. The Rays were not going to be a 110 win team forever, right? And that right now we have them projected to finish the season 94 and 68. Although that's before today's. These, this is as of this morning, so this isn't mm-hmm. taking into account today's games um, with Tampa and with Baltimore. We have Tampa projected to finish with 94 wins. The Orioles to finish with 90 wins. Part of that is that we have the. Rays facing a somewhat weaker schedule going forward. Regardless, though, you know, we have the division odds 60% to Tampa, 22% to Baltimore, 14% to to Toronto, and then the remaining 3.5% distributed between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I don't, again, I don't, I don't think Tampa is, is in, is, uh, I, I think Tampa is, is genuinely vulnerable here. I think there is room for the Orioles to make this work if they go out and do the thing they need to do, which, as I said, is they need to add a pitcher. They need to add some kind of starting pitcher because on top of that, they have a great bullpen. They have a lineup that's now just overflowing with great young hitters. They called up Jordan Westberg. They called up they called up Colton Kowser. You know, they have more guys really than they even know how and where and when to play at this point. But obviously those things sort themselves out in some capacity or another. What they need is a number one caliber starting pitcher to take these starts down the stretch to start postseason games for them, especially because if they do not win that division, they're going to be a wild card team. They're going to need that number one starter more than ever. This is the time for them to do it. So consider this, I guess, a, a hybrid take. The Orioles can win the AL East if the Orioles go out to get a pitcher. So I'm saying the Orioles need to go out and get a pitcher. They have to go do that as soon as possible. Every game matters to them. They cannot wait till the August 1st trade deadline. They should be burning up the phones right now, right now, right now, right now to go do something. There is a real opportunity here for them to make a move, a real genuine opportunity, just like there was last year to to accept to a lesser extent, obviously, infamously, you know, to for understandable to a certain to a certain extent, but very like dishearteningly in, in total. They passed up on that opportunity last year and said they sold. They have to buy this this summer. They have to. You know, you, you cannot let this collection of talent, even if it is early in this in this group's contention cycle or whatever. One, that's no excuse not to not to go out and try to do something now, especially given how deep that farm system is for Baltimore. They can move guys and not really miss them in the future. Two, you don't know how long that contention cycle is going to last. You know, you have to take advantage of it whenever you get the chance. This raised team is struggling right now, in large part because they are, have run out of pitching depth. This is a time to try to make a move, try to create some distance and... Uh, see if you can't make that division run you have to go for it so maybe i guess that's the sum total my take the orioles have to go for it you know there there's no reason for them not to at this point there is no excuse now they have wiped out what was an enormous lead in the division for tampa bay now they have to finish it off and take advantage of it i imagine the orioles and the Rays front office this summer is just going to be like a real life version of the spider-man meme where they're pointing at each other and just like you because they're really operating in the same kind of way and both have kind of um become contenders in the same kind of way and obviously the rays have been doing it for significantly longer but 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 one of them is gonna have to do something one of them is going to have to make a wig now move i think the ray slide makes them far more interesting this summer and it's just funny to think how quickly things can change because we were in april and may and obviously with their unbelievable start like the the division's over like it's just it's just over 
and they obviously- were up. They were up. Um, I think the max they were up in this division. I'm just looking it up now. Six and a half games. Yeah, six and a half games. And granted, that was not an enormous lead. And, and credit to Baltimore mm-hmm. for keeping that number relatively manageable. You know, the Ori- or the Orioles, sorry, the Rays never brought, never got this up to a double-digit lead. Never got a past six and a half games on the second-place team. Baltimore has has held tight all season long. They've erased that deficit. You know, I think when our odds are updated tomorrow morning, you're probably going to see Baltimore get a decent little bump. Our projections, I think, uh, it's mostly just our projections don't like Baltimore, I think in part because they hmm. don't like Orioles starting pitching. Uh, our our projections... Well, you know what your projections do you like? Four playoff teams in the AL, coming out of the AL East. Which you can understand, right? That makes sense. But you look mm. at you look at the projections going for going forward for the rest of the season for for the Orioles. We have a projected 415 ERA for Kyle Bradish, 435 for Kyle Gibson, 413 for Dean Kramer, 399 for Grayson Rodriguez, 454 for Tyler Wells. That that more than anything is why the Orioles have just as per our estimate, and I, I imagine it'll go up, but not by I can't imagine by any huge amount. We're still probably only going to give them a 25% chance of winning the division, even though they are effectively tied for first place in that division. But the main you thing know? is they're a playoff team. Like, I don't think they're, like, barring some... I, you know what I think, too? When you look at this lineup, I mean, one of the best in the AL. Like, they're, everyone outside of Mateo is hitting for them. Like, every, I guess Mountcastle, too. But, like, that's about it. All the regulars are hitting and mashing. Yes. And we'll see who comes up this summer. But, like, they could be buyers there. Like... I don't know. Would you look at it this way, John, where you're like, look, if all of our arms are around four, maybe Grayson Rodriguez figures it out because I think he has the highest K percentage of any of their starters um, off the top of my head. I think his K percentage, I mean, no, not all of us cannot be uh, Spencer Sanders and shout out for Michael Ballman uh, writing that one in Fangraphs this week about his historic K percentage run here uh, for Atlanta. But like, there's two schools of thought, right? You could either buy and just go, look, we're not going to solve the pitching stuff. <laughs> this uh, Like a Marcus Stroman is not going to change our postseason fortunes or whoever. But what we could do is make life living hell by adding another big bat in this order and just banking on a really, really deep group, of, a really, really deep nine-man lineup. Like what if we did that? What if we did not go with Adam Frazier at second base come playoff time. Like, I think that well, might but the, but, but be more interesting if, to me. I think, though, that the option there is instead, okay, let's go with Jordan Westberg, hmm. you know, or let's plug in Ramon Urias where we can if, if we're committed to Trade for Henderson. Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, and, and this is like what I said with, and granted, you know, the Orioles did suffer a blow today with Cedric Mullins going in the injured list with a groin issue for the second time this season. That is a real problem for them, yeah. uh, given the, the very important role he plays on this team. But, you know, we have, you know, going forward with our projections, we have, uh, I, I, I guess, I mean, if I'm trying to replace anyone in that lineup, it is probably Frazier. But again, that's, that, if anything, is why you brought up Jordan Westberg. You know, I feel like at that point, you just get let him get that run for the next couple of weeks, see what you get there. I also don't really think that there are any notable impact bats that are going to be available on the market anyway. It really does look like it's pitching right now. You know, it, it is, you know, you look at where a potential impact second baseman could come from if you're the Orioles. I mean, it'd be really funny if they if the Yankees do a soft sell and the Orioles come up to them and they're like, how do you really feel about Glaber Torres? But assuming mm. that's not going to happen, and, and I don't know that, that it will, you know, are, you know are, is getting Brendan Donovan from the Cardinals going to change anything long-term for you if the Cardinals decide to sell on him? You know, the Mets extended Jeff McNeil. I don't, I don't see that as a realistic option. You know, by our, by our, again, by our projections through our depth charts projections, the Orioles rank 17th in uh, projected wins above replacement for the rest of the season from their second baseman, Frazier, Westberg, Ramon Urias, and a handful of uh, lesser guys. But of the 16 teams above them, I don't really see where they're going to get someone who's going to really notably improve on that projection. And of the teams below them, the same thing holds. You know, I'm sure the Mariners would love to get rid of Colton Wong if they could, but Colton Wong isn't going to do anything for the Orioles that Adam Frazier already couldn't. Similarly with the Red Sox and Christian Arroyo, uh, the Royals with Nicky Lopez, you know, the Nationals with, well, they wouldn't give away Luis Garcia, but... You know, I, I do think that, yeah, maybe there is, maybe, you know, there is some way for the Orioles to finagle a way to get a bat, but I, in in my mind, who is it? You know, who 
who is the hitter that exists on the market right now that the Orioles can realistically acquire based on cost and on the selling team? You know, I, I think we talked about this last week. You know, you look at the potential sellers. None of them really have much in the way, particularly of bats available. Pitching really mm. seems to be the thing on the market right now. And I think that's a more important thing for anything than the Orioles because their they're starting pitching, again, is just an unpleasant mess right now. Again, based on our depth chart projections, we have the Orioles at number 25 in the majors going forward for the rest of the season with four wins above replacement. That's worse than the mm. Reds. That's worse than the Tigers. That's worse than the, than, the, than the Cardinals even. That's worse than the White Sox. And already, just that's worse than the Cubs. And already, I've started naming teams where they're, like, again, Strowman is not a guy who's going to make the Orioles World Series uh, favorites, but he is a guy who meaningfully shifts the odds for them to be maybe AL East favorites and at the very least significantly lock in their chances of getting a high, uh, higher postseason slot. Similarly, if they could convince the White Sox to part with Lucas Giolito, even someone like Jordan Montgomery off the Cardinals would be a, a substantial improvement over the back end of their current rotation. You know, even a guy like Michael Lorenzen, even a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, former Orioles prospect, you know, and this is the thing. The Orioles do not need to go out there and swing a Max Scherzer type deal. You know, I'm not and I don't even really think that's realistic, but they don't have to go to the Mets and say, what do you want for Verlander? What do you want for Scherzer? Would that be really cool? Sure. But they don't need to do that. Get Stroman, get Giolito, get Eduardo Rodriguez. That already on its own might be enough, coupled with maybe a another kind of lower end of the rotation starter a la Rich Hill, you know, to give you some depth and give you some potential balance. That's all That's all I think that the Orioles realistically need to do. And I think that that's probably where they're going to focus their efforts. But they've, they've just got to go ahead and do it. You know, they, they can't waste this opportunity with this team that they have, uh, particularly given that this is their opportunity basically to set themselves up as the dominant team of the AL East going forward. You know, especially when you look at that roster, when you look at all the young players that they've brought up, when you look at their farm system, it's really hard to argue against the Orioles being that number one team in the division going forward for at least the next few years, assuming things play out the way that, you know, everyone in Baltimore is hoping that they do. It's a fair point. Um, it also leads us to a question I have because Shohei Otani, now the rumors are coming out. It's like, will the Angels, are the Angels listening to Shohei Otani offers. And I was I think it was an athletic piece outlining who have the best realistic options to trade for Otani. Maybe been Jim Bowden in the athletic, but number one was the Rays. And no, it's, no I mean, they're not going to, no, come on. But you know he's not re-signing. Like, you know they're not giving him the, the God. For, like, we know that if you trade for Otani in your Tampa Bay, and it doesn't really matter because I think it was in the piece that it was like, it doesn't matter who trades for him, even if the Dodgers or whoever, he's still going to free agency. Like he is dead set. No matter what, he's going to free agency this this winter. No one could put together a better midseason trade package that makes sense for Los Angeles than Tampa Bay. And if you're Tampa with this all-time great start, you know... Just about better than, I mean, outside of Houston and Los Angeles, the the other one, the Dodgers, the good one. No one does a better job replenishing the farm system, trading prospects, and just developing this never-ending uh, just pipeline of talent. You ha would have to give up a lot for Shohei Otani if you're Tampa Bay. But you we've seen the best iteration of the Tampa Bay race this year. And that best iteration is the best team in baseball. If you are worried about the rotation, you're worried about some injuries piling up, why would you not just go all in for once and bet on you being able to replenish this pipeline and just give one real shot to because win the, the World Series? The cost is just too high. The The problem with trading... Would you not do it if you're the GM of the race? Probably not, no. Hmm. Because, and, and this is the problem, all you're getting is two months of Shohei Otani. That's but what it. if it wins a title? It probably won't. That's the thing. Like it, hmm. it is unlikely that Otani makes that much of a difference for the Rays, particularly given that their playoff position is, like you said, they're in the postseason. It yeah. would take a, a, a disaster that we've like on, on the level of like half the team contracting like like super COVID for the Rays not to make the postseason at this point. You know, I. Like I don't know what a what a trade package for Otani would look like from the Rays. I imagine it would just be the, them saying take four of our top ten prospects and go from there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think 
look, they've just, they never deviate from this plan of theirs. And I don't think they're going to start now because I also think that the cost for Otani would be greater than any single player who has ever been dealt in major league history, hmm. which again, makes no sense because all you're getting is two months out of him. And particularly if you're a team like the Rays, who, you know, you're not going to resign him. There is no chance in hell Otani is going to stay in Tampa Bay. It's a two month rental that that improves their their World Series odds a few points. And look, I don't normally argue from this side because it feels stupid and I don't like it. But if you're the Rays and this is the like what that that hot start, that historic start wasn't about we have to take advantage of it. We have to make the most of it. You know, this is our chance. That hot start was more about, okay, that has given us so much more room for error when it comes to making the playoffs. And from there, who knows? I, I think most teams honestly treat the postseason as if it's just a matter of dumb luck. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want proof of that, you look at the Phillies. The Phillies last year had no business getting as far as they did in the postseason. They did mm-hmm. because they got hot at exactly the right time. Granted, they got hot with the talent they had on hand, but at the same time, that talent they had on hand was good for, what, 82 wins all season? Mm-hmm. There, there, there's no real way to to predict or project what your what your performance is going to look like in the postseason. I think you could say the same of the Rays uh, last year, or especially the Rays of two years ago, who went into that ALDS with Boston as overwhelming favorites and got their asses handed to them in the process, in part because they ran out of starting pitching. Does Otani help that? Sure. Does someone like... Marcus Stroman helped that pretty much just as much for probably 20% of the cost. Also sure. Mm. I think Otani would have made, and and this is why I also don't think Otani will be traded because the time to do it was last year. Mm. You know, the time for the angels to do this was last year because then he would have still had the full season under control. And a guy like Shohei Otani isn't value, isn't valuable so much just because of what he can do for you in the postseason, which admittedly is just four at bats a game and one start a series. Maybe. It's for what he does over the course of the entire season, particularly when it comes to now you have to roster one fewer player because Otani does two things. Hmm. You know, there is some value that can be measured over that. I find it kind of similar to the way that Mike Trout was treated with regards to the true value of Trout makes itself apparent over the course of a full season when he puts up nine wins above replacement and is basically worth a three or four win increase on his own from whoever he'd be replacing on a base level. Those wins matter during the course of the regular season. I genuinely do not think that Otani is the, and granted, and you know, I say this about Otani, I think this is true about just about everybody. I don't think Otani is the level of difference maker where if you're the Rays, you sacrifice four to five years of team control of guys who are going to be like instrumental to what you're doing going forward to up your chances of winning the World Series from 8% to like 11%. Because that also just doesn't mean anything. Those numbers aren't hard numbers in that they don't make the Rays. You know, it's not like every other team is like, oh, well, now the Rays are more the favorite. You know, it just means that they have slightly better odds in all the in all the projections going forward, in all the simulations going forward, I should say. You know, I, I, I just, you know, I, for, when it comes to an Otani trade, I'll believe it when I see it. But I, I just don't think it's going to happen because I think the Angels are going to ask for too high a price for a guy that most teams are rightfully going to come back and say, we're going to get him for two months and then he's walking. There's no but, team that's going to be able to trade for him that's going to get to keep his services long term, except maybe that I think the Dodgers would be the only team where you could convince me that they would then immediately after the season is, is finished, turn around and say, OK, show, hey, here's five hundred million dollars. Don't go anywhere. I think but, that's the only team that you could that could make that argument. I think the Mets might. They're desperate enough. I think Cohen's. I don't I don't think Otani would want to be there. It, mm. If you're a, if you're a major league marquee free agent, why on earth do you want to deal with being on the New York Mets ever? Money. There's not. I don't think there's enough of it to make up for that ultimately. And the other part of it is the Mets are not a contender. Yeah. Like they've pretty definitively shown this. But you season also got to think like, like not, there's more that they need. There's more they need to do than just Shohei Otani. But you got to look at it from Cohen's brain. You got to look at it from some of the like because we're looking at it from our perspective of the outside looking in. I I just. I wonder, because Otani, like, you're just getting basics of a little bit of draft compensation. That's what you're looking at if you're the Angels, if he walks for nothing in December. I don't know if they have all that much leverage anyway, John. They've kind of screwed this up to the point where I'm like, I think you have to no matter what, because if you even have, like, a 20 to 30, like, if you have a if you have a 10% chance belief that Otani re-signs with you this winter, 
you have to do it. Even if you have a, I think you could go up to, for me, 80% that he resigns. I still probably move him because he's just such an, like he is going to be the best player to ever grace that organization in our lifetime, John. He's going to be the greatest Los Angeles angel of our lifetime. If you lose him for a little bit of draft compensation this winter and that's it, that's devastating. Like that is absolutely devastating. And I understand on the flip side, teams are not willing to give up a crazy, like a Juan Soto type package plus like a Juan Soto on steroids package for Otani when he's only gonna be there for two months. But I think if you're the angels, you might have to, when we get really, really close, those last 48 hours, you're going to have to make some, you're going to have to make some concessions because you just can't do this in the winter. You cannot lose him for draft pick compensation. You have to get something because whatever you do trade Otani for, it'll still be a whole heck of a lot. And you've got to do something. I don't, you're not making the playoffs. You're not going to, you're, it's just, it's over. Like, I just, I don't think you can sell that to the fans. I think you have to sell hot. Like, I, I just, I don't think there, there's a path for them not to, in my estimation. I think it's GM malpractice to not trade Otani. I th- I mean, I, I have a hard time arguing against all of that, but I, I just have a, such a hard time seeing the matchup happening in part because I, I mean, look, uh, I'm reading Jim Bowden's piece and mm-hmm. I'll be entirely clear too. Part of this is I think Bowden is a, moron of the highest order who just blatantly makes shit up like he's an idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about the great majority of the time the whole ralph thing that happened with him like a million deadlines ago should have been the end of his career if not that skimming bonus money from prospects when he was a nationals gm really should have been the end of his career in baseball he should have been absolutely 100 percent capoleloed he should not be in the sport anymore. And granted, that has nothing to do with Shohei Otani. That's just my intense dislike of Jim Bowden and everything he represents. With that having been said, yes, if it's a matter of what is the best return we can get for Shohei Otani, the Angels should trade him 100%. But again, my thing is, I don't think there's going to be a team willing to meet the offer that they're, or meet the price that they're going to be asking. Because in their minds, if all they're going to get ultimately is draft pick compensation, then why not shoot for the moon? Why take mm-hmm. 75 cents on the dollar? What does it matter at a certain point? You know, if, if if that's what's facing them at the end, then they'll just take that at the end. They'll take what they can get. But I don't think a team should make itself make up. If you're going to make that trade, you have to come out of it the way that the, the Nationals did with the Juan Soto trade. You've got to bring in minimum four or five prospects of that caliber to, to make that trade worth it long term. And that deal only happened because Soto still had another full season of team control beyond the beyond the, the being dealt at the deadline. To say nothing of the fact that he did but not. But you would have... still guess though that Otani would bring in a pretty amazing package for Los Angeles, even with the two month. I don't issue. think so. I, I really don't think so. Deadline rentals simply do not bring that kind of talent back anymore. It just doesn't happen. You look look at the the Max Scherzer Trey Turner trade in terms of uh because both of those guys. Um, or sorry, Scherzer at the very least was a deadline. Was a was a a, a rental. Was was Turner mm. a rental at that same deadline? I think. Well, no, didn't he? No, because he played twenty twenty two in Los Angeles as well. So that one doesn't even. Yeah. Well, I think what would have to be like even that one though brought back Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz, a mid rotation starter and maybe a starting catcher going forward. Mm. That's not that big a haul, honestly. Like, what would the equivalent of that be from the Rays if they were to make that trade right now with with the Angels? You you look at our prospect list for the Rays, that's probably something along the lines of Mason Montgomery and, geez, I don't know, uh, Kyle Manzardo? I, I don't really know that that means anything for the Angels. Mm. Like, I, I that's the kind of the thing. Like, I... I don't think it's possible to get the value back for Otani, essentially, that he represents. I think there's a there's a certain paradox in play for him. He's always going to be worth more than any team is willing to trade in it in off in in um what's it called in exchange for him. And that's mm. particularly the case when ninety percent of the teams in Major League Baseball who would be in on Otani know already from the beginning when they trade for him, he's not staying here. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Like if I'm if I'm the Rays, you know, and, and the Angels call and say, "Hey, we'll take we'll give you Otani if you give us." I'll, I'll give the names out of out of Bowden's uh, paragraph. You know, like Junior Caminero, Kyle Manzardo, and he says Vidal Burhan, but the, the that's not that doesn't even feel like that much to me. Genuinely, mm. that does not feel like you're really even getting what you should be getting in exchange for literally Shohei Otani. Mm. I think the problem with the Angels is again they should have done this last year if they were going to do it at all. They have screwed this up so badly that I don't think there's any way they can recoup the value necessary to make that trade worth it. Hmm. I think that, like, I don't... It feels like I'm trying to argue two sides at the same time because I am, because on the one hand, you're right. It is GML practice not to to have the Shohei Otani era end with simply draft pick compensation. Yep. On the other hand, if you put them out on the market, you're probably not going to get the offer you want. You are probably not going to get what you were looking for in exchange. But you have to take it. You have to just take whatever the best version of that is. I don't think that's the case, though. I I, I mm. don't think that's the case. I I understand that that you know that again means the Angels all they're getting out of this is draft pick compensation. But I I don't know, man. Like I I I just have a really hard time seeing them deciding we'll take sixty five cents on the dollar for him. I agree. I just think you have to. I think it's just you have to swallow. Like you just have to swallow this. Like it's just it's gonna hurt, but you just gotta suck it up. And you got to move forward because you did this. And then also trade Mike Trout. Just do the full on. Trade them both. Now that would be like, just just also, trade them I, both. Can I just get one more shot in on Bowden before I'm done? This sentence, sure. the Rays aren't satisfied with being the best team in baseball in terms of wins per dollar spent. All they care about is finally winning World Series. Citation needed. <laughs> when on earth have the Rays cared about winning a World Series? They don't give a shit if they win the World Series or not. I guarantee... All 30 front offices do not give a shit if they win the World Series or not. All they're trying to do is put themselves in position to win a World Series. Because all of those teams, minus the Rockies... I think AJ Preller wants to win a World Series. I mean, I think AJ Preller... AJ Preller is a little bit of a loose cannon in that regard, but I think even AJ Preller would tell you the best we can do is put ourselves in position to win a World Series. There is no way to win a World... to guarantee you're winning a World Series. Zero. No way at all. No way at all. None. And so I think, you know, when it says, oh, now all they care about is winning. No, they don't. They don't care about winning a World Series. They do not care. They care about making the playoffs. And that's the other thing for me with the Rays. With or without Shohei Otani, they make the playoffs. Does giving does getting Otani give them a better shot to win the World Series? Yeah. Does it give them like a guaranteed chance to win the World Series? No. I think it makes more sense for a team like a team that's close. Like the, the Mariners would genuinely make far more sense to me as an Otani trade uh, trade partner. Because he makes a difference for them now and in the postseason. The Rays do not need Shohei Otani right now. But if you're a Rays fan, why not, right? No, I mean, if you're a Rays fan, you should be you should be mailing, you should be sending like uh, next day delivery letters or whatever to the Rays front office in wherever the heck it is, some cardboard box in St. Petersburg, <laughs> like just begging them to do this. But they're just they're not going to do it. I mean, again, these guys are all a bunch of weirdo finance arbitrage guys. But they what would you put the odds? What would you put the odds that they do it? Uh, of Otani being traded or of the Rays getting Otani? The Rays being the one to trade for him. 2%. That's depressing. I, I just, I, 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 I look. The, you I know don't think like, they'll go full Brewers here? Zach Greinke, CC Zabathia style? No team does that anymore. That's the thing. Yeah. No one does that anymore because all of these teams think in exactly the same way, which is that they yeah. want to have the largest possible base of young, cost-controlled guys possible and that they don't want to spend them, particularly on deadline rentals, even if you're talking about the second coming of Babe Ruth. Because all you're getting out of it is two months of baseball that the Rays, even if they lose this division lead to the Orioles, are still going to make the playoffs. And he doesn't meaningfully change anything for them, particularly given that what they need is not a front of the rotation starter. They have two of those guys already in Zach and Shane McClanahan and Tyler Glasnow. What the Rays need more than anything is a top of the line like reliever. Maybe they could also use some starting pitching depth, but I think if you're the Rays, you're more likely to be to go after someone like Eduardo Rodriguez than you are Shohei Otani. Mm. Rodriguez is will, will cost 10% of the prospect price of Otani and probably be worth I mean, look, we'll, here we'll do it. We'll we'll pull the numbers just because I'll pull those mm -hmm. projections back up. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez for the rest of the season is projected to go. Uh, is projected to have a three seventy seven ERA and three and a three seventy three FIP with one point one WAR. Otani for the rest of the season 
a 325 ERA and 1.7 WAR. So we're talking about a half win of a half wins difference, which really amounts to nothing over the course of a two month season. Mm. He does not meaningfully make and great. Okay, I should note though that is purely on offense or mm-hmm. purely pitching wise. Add in what he does uh, as a hitter, that's a whole nother conversation. But the Rays still have one of the best offenses in baseball. That's not what they need either, particularly given that Otani is only going to DH. And when it comes to what the what the Rays have at the DH spot, they're already pretty well set there. I mean, they're working with Harold Ramirez, Yandy Diaz, Luke Ray. I mean, their mix and match. Part of it, too, is their mix and match lineup is predicated on positional versatility and flexibility. And Otani, at least as a position player, offers none of that. He is mm-hmm. only a DH. That is all he can be at any given point in time, which is not a knock on him. It's just what he is. Again, I think it makes a lot more sense for Seattle, which not only could use another starting pitcher behind Luis Castillo, uh, or along with Luis Castillo, George Kirby, uh, Logan Gilbert, and Brian Wu, especially given that Wu is probably a guy who they're going to have to innings limit at some point, but also because Mariners DHs are arguably the single worst in baseball. Hmm. And I think the other part of it is the, the the bigger impact Otani has is as an offensive player. As a starting pitcher, he's only getting on the mound every five or six days. As an offensive player, he's taking at-bats every single day from here until the end of the season. So I think it makes a lot more sense, too, for a team like Seattle because they would be able to utilize him in the most valuable way to them, which is to say, as a hitter, and also, of course, they get the value of him starting. But I think the Rays are much more likely to go after uh, mid-tier pitchers, and relievers and maybe an extra bat somewhere else to, to stock in there, maybe a, an extra outfield bat, maybe someone else to try to plug into that DH rotation, maybe uh, some options for the middle infield if they don't like what they currently have. I think you could make an argument that the way Josh Lowe has slowed down, maybe they can, you know, maybe they can look for some corner outfield help. But I just don't see Otani as being the move. That just feels like that would feel like a really weird allocation of resources to me at, for the Rays. I think it makes a lot more sense for fringe contenders like the Mariners, like um, like the Giants, uh, the Padres, although I don't think the Padres have the prospect capital to make that move work. Those are the teams that I think would get more of an actual boost from Otani than the Rays would. Yeah. Oh, man. What do you think Look, ultimately it, it, happens I mean, here? It, it's... It, it Final, sucks for, for yeah. an Angels fan. This it's been nothing but pain, but being an Angels fan is nothing but pain. So yes, <laughs> I, I just I just have a, again ultimately when it comes to Otani, I just have a hard time seeing a team being willing to pony up what it's going to cost to get him because the Angels and, and nor should they. For as much as you can say the Angels have to accept whatever they can get because they've screwed this up so badly, there is not a rule that says they have to do that. And I think they should get as much for Otani as they possibly can. And if they don't get what they want. What does it matter ultimately? Which I mean, which I know sounds kind of nihilistic. Ultimately, it's like none of this matters. Go eat Arby's. But like, it, it, it just doesn't feel like that is the best way to go about this. If you're the Angels, which is say, fine, just take him. Whatever, nothing matters anymore. Because the other part of it is, and I don't know how much this matters to the Angels, and I don't necessarily think that keeping Otani means that it, you know that they 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 keep the fan base. But it, it's as big of a white flag as you can wave particularly for a casual fan to say, hey, this superstar, the best player you'll ever see walk onto the field, we just threw him, we gave him away. What do mm. we get in exchange? Three guys you'll see in two and a half years, maybe. <laughs> also, because we're not any good at doing that part either, so you're probably not even going to see them anyway. That's also, I think maybe there's a pessimistic part of me that's like, what does it matter who the Angels trade for? They're really bad at this. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter who they trade for because their player development system is bad. They're not good at this. They don't know what they're doing. You know, if anything, the value for me is like just, just throwing the largest number possible to Otani and saying, I know we're not good at this, but please, for the love of God, give us a chance. We'll give you more money than anyone else possibly could. I, I don't think he stays anyway, but I don't know. I, I, I just have a hard time seeing it happen for whatever reason. It's just I, I think I feel like I said the same thing about Soto, but at least with Soto, it made more sense ultimately because the team that got him, in this case, the Padres, knew that it was getting him not just for the the second half, but also for the year after that, and giving them an exclusive 18-month negotiating window to try to figure out some kind of long-term contract. With Otani, you get only these two months, and realistically, unless you're a West Coast team, he's not staying, which I think the other reason, again, for the Rays not to do is because he is a pure rental for them. And mm-hmm. if you're going to get a go, go get a pure rental, there are 12 to 15 other guys who will cost a third of what he will cost in terms of outlay, 
who will make just about as much of a difference going forward, possibly more if you target the areas you need to target, like the bullpen. Yeah, go Angels, go Rays, go teams that are definitely going to try and win a World Series this year, John. Uh, speaking of teams who tried to win World Series this year that I don't think are going to win World Series, this can be our final big one here, John. The Mets and the Yankees should both sell. And I think this is a that, wild yeah. situation here in New York. No Subway Series this year, sad to say, John. But I and the, think... And the, paper, the tabloids were so excited. They mm. really were. But... But for us, MLB writers, fans, podcasters, John, mm-hmm. the Mets and Yankees both being sellers at the deadline is actually sneaky awesome. Like, because they could do all kinds of crazy shit. The Both of these teams yes. can do some real crazy shakeups if they want to. And I, I'm here for it. Are you at the same place where you're like, it's actually awesome that both these teams might sell because there is a lot of lot of intrigue that can happen here look personally obviously the idea of the yankees saying screw it and not even trying for the postseason and thus guaranteeing for uh 20 no 16th straight year that there will not be a world series parade here in new york great fantastic mm-hmm. my dream lives on but you know look i i i think what you said makes sense i think that particularly for the mets who are Six, six games under 500, 17 mm-hmm. and a half games out of the division. Their division. I mean, it's over. The Mets are dead. very done. They're they're in real, real. Like we have their postseason odds at 15 percent. Mm-hmm. That's that's about the same as the Cardinals, which again, the NL Central, baby. Woo woo. But they have obviously they are behind um, all three teams in the NL East, two of the teams in the NL Central. And three of the teams in the NL West. So that is eight teams that are currently ahead of them in the postseason race. They're more or less tied with the Cardinals, Cubs, and Padres when it comes to record. So that's another group of teams that they basically have to... I think you're right. The Mets are done. Done, 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 done. Yes. And I think of the two, they are the more likely ones to sell because they have uh, they have the guys, I think, who as... you know, Granted, they're older, they're expensive... But any team that gets them knows it's going to have them for the long run. Mm-hmm. And they have Scherzer and, Scherzer and Verlander, two established veteran starters with postseason experience. And particularly if the Mets eat enough of those contracts, they can get some real talent in exchange back for them, I think. Yeah. One or the other, whatever they decide to do there. You know, when it comes to the rest of the Mets, uh, when it comes to the Met, the, the Met, the mess of the Mets roster, the mess, the mess that is the Mets <laughs> roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at who they have, who, who's, you know, going to be set to be a free agent next year. I should note, by the way, um, Scherzer is technically a free agent next year, but he has a player option for $43 million that he is 1 million percent going to exercise. So too bad. But otherwise, um, I think David Robertson is an obvious candidate to be traded, uh, only signed to a one-year deal, will be a free agent next year, has been very good out of the bullpen for New York. I think he would make a lot of sense for, hey, maybe the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm. Uh, similarly, Tommy Pham, who's had a very nice bounce back season for the Mets, also on a one year deal, would be really helpful for any team looking for a right handed bat off the bench. Ideally, that could slot him into a DH spot so he doesn't have to play the outfield because he is a very, very bad outfielder. Uh, other reliever interests, Adam Ottavino, I think would make a lot of sense for a team looking for some right handed setup help in the late innings. Omar Narvaez, now that Francisco Alvarez has more or less taken over as the full time starting catcher in New York, I think Narvaez would make a lot of sense for a team looking for catcher help. Um, Carlos Carrasco, I think, is the only other major pending free agent that the Mets have. Cannot see him really being of any interest to anyone. He has looked very bad this season. Um, more likely to be a guy that, you know, just exists somewhere mm. down the road for somebody. But, um, you know, maybe Mark Canha, who has a $11.5 million team option with a $2 million buyout for next year. So any team that's getting him would be basically just paying $2 million for the rest of the season. Again, another good corner outfield bat although one who defensively is not really bringing you much, bringing much to the table. I think the Mets have some real things to offer, again, led by uh, led by Verlander and Scherzer. The Yankees, I feel like less so because they have some short-term guys, but short-term guys who I think are less interesting in the grander scheme of things. Josh Donaldson obviously is not going to be an option, particularly given that he suffered a grade three calf strain. He is presumably done for the season. 
Um, you're looking more at Luis Severino, who has been very bad this season and has been dealing with, with reduced velocity, does not look like, does not look right. I can't imagine any team really being willing to take that on for the time being. Um, you know, Frankie Montes, who's not going to be back till September, can't really see that being a thing that's happening either. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, if you're looking for a decent utility piece, I guess, I don't know, who really cares? Um, honestly, I think the two most uh, interesting pieces that this Yankees team has to offer, because, and this is, I think, the difference between the Mets and the Yankees, I think for the Yankees, anything they're doing is a soft sell. It's mostly, mm. hey, does anyone have yeah. interest in our pending free agents? Does anyone have interest in guys who are not part of our long-term plan, which I think in this case, you're looking at guys who only have another season of team control left, which is to say, Glaber Torres, Domingo Herman, and a handful of relievers. Maybe you can include Kyle Higashioka, or Kyle Higashioka on that list, although I don't really think that there's much of any interest there. The other half of that would be, do is there anyone interested in a salary dump? And in that case, mm-hmm. it's, you know, is anyone willing to take the $45 million we still owe DJ LeMayhu off our hands? Is anyone willing to take the $23 million we still owe Anthony Rizzo for the next two seasons off our hands? So assuming that the answer to all, the great majority of those is no, I think the two guys who are most likely to move if the Yankees do decide to do a soft sell, one is Harrison Bader, who they acquired last year for Jordan Montgomery at the deadline, a fantastic defensive center fielder, a great base runner, a good power threat. Obviously, the issue is he has a lot of trouble staying healthy, a lot of soft tissue injuries in his past, but has shown the ability, especially in last year's playoffs, to be an impact bat and an impact love, be a very, very good addition for any team looking for help in center field. The other guy, Wandy Peralta, who will be a free agent after this season, has been a very good left-handed reliever for the for the Yankees. Any team that's looking for left-handed relief help, I think, will probably go to the Yankees and see what they want for Peralta. Uh, beyond that, I think you're probably looking, you know, if Glaber Torres is not going to be part of the Yankees going forward, and given the glut of middle infield prospects they have, I think it's pretty safe to say that Glaber's time in New York is probably getting close to an end. Um, I do wonder if that's a guy who a team looking for a second baseman or some infield help could use my question would be who are those teams but that's a i think that's a whole other exercise we can maybe get into closer and closer to the deadline otherwise i i don't really see what the pieces are here that make sense again unless there's another team willing to eat dj lemayhew's salary or anthony rizzo's salary in exchange for you know sending over a lesser prospect or if there's a team that's genuinely interested in making a move for someone like I guess it would have to be Herman or or Glaber Torres or Clay Holmes. Uh, one of those, I think, one of those three guys, all of whom are going to be free agents after the 2024 season. None of whom are presumably uh, going in the Yankees' plans going forward because of because of age. You know, safe to say, I think the Yankees would make all three of those guys available if they could. I'm curious what they would get back if anything for them, but. Yeah, I mean, look, but even even with saying, like, no, I don't think the Yankees are, are going to be part of any deadline blockbuster. I think if there's any deadline blockbuster out of any of the two New York teams, it would be the Mets giving up on one of Scherzer or Verlander. I think the Yankees are more likely just to try to move uh, their pending free agents quiet uh, on some quieter deals. But there's still some useful some useful players here, again, particularly Bader and Peralta. I do think if the Yankees decide to throw in the towel for the season, those are the two guys who are going to be the most sought after on this on this roster uh, in terms of guys who I think are realistic chances or have a realistic chance of being moved. Otherwise, I think it'd be more something like, you know, maybe there's someone who's willing to give up a ball, a, a bucket of balls for Domingo Herman, who, you know, is certainly has the stuff to be an impact starter, but is not consistent with that. And I think, again, he's already 30 years old. Uh, he's going to be a free agent after next season. I can't really see him being a long-term contract guy with the Yankees. I think it makes sense for them to get whatever they can for him while he still has that value of being a guy that the team knows can be, uh, will be part of their plans for next season. You know, sim- like on in that vein, you know, I think a team like Cincinnati could really use a guy like Herman. I think a guy like or a team like Milwaukee similarly would be in on a guy like Herman because the other part of it is he's only making two and a half million dollars this year, and he'll be he's arbitration eligible next year. Realistically, he's only going to come in maybe at four and a half five million dollars. That's very reasonable money for a back of the rotation starter. I think it would make a lot of sense for some of those smaller teams that are fixed that are very much fixated on cost control, like the NL Central teams. Or maybe I would say Baltimore. If Baltimore weren't in division, um, maybe more for a team like uh, Texas if it wants to add some starting depth, or a team like the Giants or the Padres if they want to add some starting depth. Regardless, that that's kind of what I expect out of the Yankees. I think with the Mets, it's going to be the go big or go home of 
uh, Scherzer and Verlander, while also looking to see if anyone's interested in, in particular, uh, David Robertson and Adam Ottavino, I think are the two most likely guys from, from the Mets to be moved, as well as I think probably Tommy Pham, although Pham's reputation, for lack of a better word, uh, certainly precedes him in this case, and I think might complicate some stuff for the Mets too, because I don't know that anyone really wants to deal with the whole Tommy Pham experience, given how many teams he has burned bridges with over the course of the last several years. I'm going to make a prediction. I think the Yankees do a skinny rebuild, like you said. Dump mm-hmm. some salary if they can. See and I, what's and I think out the important, there. And I think the important thing to note there is we've already started to get the news stories, presumably sourced from within the Yankees front office and ownership, that they're looking to avoid that third tier of the luxury tax. Yeah. The only way they could do that, obviously, is to shed as much salary as they can. The Mets, though, I think they trade one of Verlander Scherzer. I don't know which one, but I think one of them has moved this summer. I, I don't think- know which one. I think but both will be. Well. I think both will be on the market. I think the Mets will listen to any and all offers uh, for either of them, because th- there's no combination of moves at this point that they can make to reset. Excuse me, their luxury tax issues. Yeah, you know that's just a and that will just be an ongoing problem for them so long as Steve Cohen wants to spend money. But I think it would make. I think if if you're looking at anyone, here's what the best for baseball is, John. What's that? Max Scherzer to the Tampa Bay and Justin Verlander to Baltimore. That would be a lot of fun. And and look, I think if you're if you're the Mets and you want to focus on moving one over the other, um you're guaranteed I mean, the problem, I guess, is Verlander is guaranteed forty three million dollars next year with a vesting option. Who cares? Of- the Orioles don't have anybody on the book. No, no, no. I'm I'm not saying for the yeah. team acquiring them. I'm saying if you're yeah. the Mets, who do you kind of who are you kind of more interested in trying to move in terms of saving the money? Yeah. But the problem is Verlander is guaranteed that forty three million next year. Scherzer, for all intents and purposes, is because he has a player option he can exercise, mm-hmm. which he will do because there's no way, there's no way, shape, or anything in which he goes back onto the free agent market after the season he's had at the age of 39. You know, this is a guy who's going to play that next season out. And I would be curious. I think it'll obviously depend on how the rest of this season goes. And next, whether or not 2024 might be the end for Max Scherzer. I think similarly for Verlander, whether or not his final year under contract, assuming he doesn't reach those vesting options, uh, makes him more likely to call it quits after 2024 as well. I think if you're a team looking to acquire them, you're probably more interested in Verlander because you don't do have him under control for a full season after that. I guess you could say the same of Scherzer, though, anyway. I don't know. I, ultimately, I, I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other as to which of them gets moved, if, if either. But I do think the Mets will probably try to see who, if anyone is interested. Similarly, if you're looking at potential salary dumps for them, I think Starling Marte is a guy they might try to push heavily on other teams to see if anyone's interested. That's really the only guy, with the exception of Francisco Lindor and Brandon Nimmo, who is making big long-term money going forward, and Edwin Diaz, obviously, but I don't think anyone's going to trade for Diaz coming off his knee injury as it is, particularly because next season is the final season of arbitration eligibility for Pete Alonso, which means his that will be his final season under team control. The Mets... One million percent need to figure out some kind of long-term contract with him this offseason. And in order to do that, they have to try to free up some of that money that's currently going to that Verlander, Scherzer, Marte, Troika. So I think the incentive for them will be heavy to try to move one of those guys. Whereas on the Yankee side of things, they've already got Judge locked up long-term. There aren't really any other long-term contract candidates on that roster, depending on what they want to do with Anthony Volpe, obviously. And depending on how Jason Dominguez comes out of the gate, whenever it is they call him up. I think they're a little more settled in what they want to do. I think the the priority there is just, like you said, the skinny rebuild, bring in some younger guys, make some space on the roster for some younger guys as well. I think that would be part of the idea of trading Glaber Torres to give Oswald Oswald Peraza some consistent playing time at second base and see if he can be the guy in the middle infield. Uh, If not him, you know, figure out something with Oswaldo Cabrera, maybe something figure out with Jose Peraza. Uh, Regardless, there is... I think there's a really, really good chance both of those teams are sellers at this deadline. Because I think, like you said, the Yan- the Mets are just out of it. I don't think there's any real chance yeah. the Mets make the playoffs. The Yankees, for as much as they still have a good a good shot, the AL East is a gauntlet. Uh, the Astros and Rangers are not going away. There will be an AL Central team involved somewhere in this of some level. You know, it's a really, really tough race for them going forward. The thing I think that separates the Mets and the Yankees here, though, and why I think the Yankees would do the soft rebuild is they're going to get Aaron Judge back at some point. That will be obviously a huge boon for them. I think there's still a chance that even if they do sell, they can be a playoff team. But I think this would be a good opportunity for them to shed some, to to get something back for those pending free agents who they're not going to get anything back for in exchange when they leave. 
assuming they don't sign them long-term, which I don't think they will, and also see if a guy like Torres or Herman or uh, or anyone else of that ilk, or maybe, again, if LeMahieu or Rizzo is, is appealing to anybody, get out from under those contracts and start you know, trying to, to figure out what a new Yankees kind of core looks like. Because I think that, that's kind of the other part of this with the Yankees is that's kind of the admission that this core needs a, ter- needs a change at this point. What, hmm. what, Brian, what Brian Cashman has been doing the last years has just not worked in collectively. That offense has just not succeeded with the exception of Judge over the last, particularly the last 18 months, but really since I think the, the midpoint of 2021. You know, I, I think if anything, you make those deals to try to shake that roster up and figure out some new avenues to go by. We'll see. It, it's going to be really interesting. And I think, again, I think the Mets are the likeliest to make the biggest splash in all of that with moving potentially one of Scherzer or Verlander. Although I should note... Mets fans, uh, you guys should probably prepare yourselves now for the fact that neither of Scherzer or Verlander is going to bring back much in the way of prospects. It's really not going to happen. But, but David Stearns is probably on the way in December. That'll be nice. Who knows? I mean, I think, if anything, look, I mean, I, I think if you're the Mets, forget Shohei Otani, you're probably uh, looking over to to NPB right now and asking Yoshinoto Yamamoto or y- Yoshinobu Yamamoto's agents. So what's it going to take? We've already got Kodai Senga. Doesn't he want to join mm. Kodai Senga? I think it's more realistic that they go for the next, well, not the next Otani. No one is the next Otani. But um, given that, again, I, I don't think Otani goes to an East Coast team. If you're the Mets, go after the big, I mean, especially again, also, they need to free up money for Pete Alonso. They need to figure that out. He is a centerpiece of that offense. They have to lock him up long-term. It's going to be a really ugly contract by the end because right-handed first basemen do not exactly age particularly well. Regardless, the Mets don't have a choice. They have to lock down Alonso. And in order to do that, they need to try to move as much salary as they can between now and ideally the beginning of the 2024 season. There you go. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? I'd like to note, by the way, the Yankees are currently down four to nothing to the Angels. Mm. Uh, Luis Rangifo just hit a home run, which I didn't know was a thing that could happen. <laughs> um, regardless, what can the good folks check out from us at Fangraphs? Currently ongoing our 2023 trade value series. That is our annual series where we rank the top 50 players in baseball based on their trade value, which is calculated using a combination of salary, age, performance, projected performance, all that fun stuff. Ben Clemens is writing that. He's done a fantastic job so far. We are through. uh, We're up to number 21 as of today, Wednesday. Uh, 20 through through 11 will be out on Thursday, then the top 10 on Friday. So check that out uh, if you haven't yet. Beyond that, uh, next other the other upcoming series or the other series we have that is going to start actually on Friday. Jay Jaffe's replacement level killers, where he's going to be looking at uh, various contenders by position to see who needs uh, who's got issues at particular positions, who's getting dragged down by replacement level or worse players, and how those teams might be able to improve themselves. I think that series is a really really good primer for the deadline in terms of seeing which contenders need help where. Make sure to check that out as well. Uh, if you're interested in projections, Dan Zimborski has been going through his 2023 uh, midseason zips projections to go to look at not only the standings and the updated standings based on the projections of the rest of the season, but also the projections for individual players for 2023 and beyond. Check that out if you're at all interested in that. Um, otherwise, you know, we'll be here for deadline stuff. We'll be all on top of that. We've got a top 100 prospect update coming from Eric Longenhagen at some point in the near future. Also really good ahead of the trade deadline to get a sense of who the big prospect names might be that get moved. So come on over to Fangraphs. While you're there, sign up for a membership. It is $10 a month or $60 a year for ad-free browsing plus some other perks. Go follow us on Twitter if you're still bothering with that. Go follow us on Blue Sky. I may start a Threads account for Fangraphs, but who knows? I I don't like Facebook and I don't want to deal with their crap. Fangraphs.com. Deal with our crap instead. There you go. I love also, it. Also, the Orioles, by the way, I should note, we've been talking about how the Orioles want to make a trade for a pitcher. They went ahead and did it. The Baltimore Orioles. The, the Baltimore Orioles have acquired Oakland Day's um, right-handed reliever, Shintaro Fujinami. Oh. Go, but Orioles. But they did it. They did it. Mission accomplished. Raise the banner. Like, yeah, we have dropped the banner. Drop the banner. Drop the balloons. <laughs> The Orioles did it. They're done. They're good now. There you go.
Go Baltimore. They're very Dante, good. Always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.